Good morning, and thank you again for joining with us in worship. If you have your Bibles with you, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel of John. And we're going to be in the fourth chapter, and we're going to begin reading in verse 21. And this is what it says. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He was revealing to her this, this Samaritan woman who he was. And we have to understand that, that he was the promised Messiah. He was the coming king. He was the coming savior who, who would redeem all of humanity. It was him. Jesus was the promised one. And here he is next to this well, asking this woman for a drink, and then revealing who he was to them, to her, to the Samaritan woman. A couple of months ago now, uh, the team and I were talking about different things on our hearts and, and different topics that we had been studying, and one of the items that surfaced was the idea of worship. And so we started examining this and looking into it, and, and we started asking questions. What does it mean to worship? What does it look like to worship? Where do we worship? How do we worship? What are the different aspects of worship? And so we began to study this together, and we began to map out a course of action on how we would discover this and how we would bring it to you. And so we are going to take this journey together of, of over the next couple weeks of examining worship and what it means to us and what it looks like and, and really what it is. Because worship is not merely showing up on a Sunday morning. Now, that's an aspect of worship, and, and I'm not insulting that. Sunday morning worship is very vital. It's so important. But I believe that worship goes deeper than just a once-a-week event. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to say it right up front, okay? I need you to hear me. Worship is not about us. Worship is not about you and I. And I have a fear that we mistakenly, and sometimes we accidentally, turn worship into an event that focuses primarily on us. But that's not what worship is. Worship is exalting God. Worship is praising God, lifting His name on high, giving thanks and praises to Him. And it takes many forms. It's not just music and singing. Those, those are aspects of worship, and those are very important. And, and we're going to discover over the next couple of weeks together what the different aspects of worship are and the different forms it takes. But what we have to understand is that worship flows from the heart of the worshiper, and it glorifies and it pleases the Lord God Almighty. Hear me, worship begins and ends with God. It's never about us. Yes, we have a part to play in it. Yes, we have a role. But what we got to understand is worship is all about God. In order for us to worship God in all of his glory, he first had to reveal himself to us. Because how can we celebrate someone or how can we celebrate something that we know nothing about, right? There has to be a time of revelation, a time when God reveals himself to humanity in order for us to worship him. And the perfect example of this is found in John chapter 4. 
Now, I'm going to treat this passage of Scripture the way that Robert uh, Zemeckis treated Forrest Gump for a second, okay? What I'm going to do is, is we're going to start from the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning, okay? Starting from the end and working to the beginning. And, and Forrest Gump uh, started out with, uh, with Tom Hanks sitting at the bus stop, and then it went back to the beginning. And so I kind of want to do that with this passage, right? So here in John chapter 4, we know by the passage I read just a few seconds ago that Jesus reveals who he is to her. He reveals that he is the promised Messiah. And so now let's go back and understand why that is significant, okay? And this is going to take us a while. We're actually going to be spending a couple weeks on this. Uh, We're going to be examining, we're going to be dissecting this story. And there's so much to unfold here. But it truly helps us understand what it looks like to have a heart of worship. Jesus reveals that to us here to understand and he shows us what it means to have a true heart of worship. And the first takeaway or the first thing that we need to understand about all this is this. And I need you to hear me. Ready? Everyone is welcome to worship. Worship is for everybody. It doesn't matter race, color, nationality. It doesn't matter financial standing, political beliefs, social standings, what kind of job you have, what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear or where you're from. Everyone is welcome to worship God. Everyone is welcome. I mean, look who Jesus is talking to in the story. She was a Samaritan. Why is that important? Well, if you go back to verse 9, you see it right there. It says, for Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. And this belief is very historical. It dates all the way back to the death of King Solomon when there was this massive division when the Assyrians settled in the area and the bloodline began to mix, which resulted in the loss of both uh, racial and religious purity from the standpoint of the Judeans in the south. And then the religious divide deepened when the Samaritans built their own temple, right? And so all there's a huge, I I encourage you to go back and read that story as to why the Samaritans and the Jews didn't associate. It's very lengthy. I just give you a quick little glimpse of it. But simply put, there is a long destructive history between the Jews and the Samaritans, and the Jews did not associate with them because they viewed themselves as superior, okay? But then, by Jesus addressing this woman, Jesus was also breaking a long-standing gender prejudice. Men did not associate with women back then, especially women of ill repute. And we're going to be going back and looking at the, the woman over the next couple weeks, but right now I want to focus on Jesus, okay? A Jewish man, a rabbi, coming to this Samaritan lady, this Samaritan woman, in the middle of the day, which is their significance in that too, But he's asking her for a drink, and ultimately, he's ending in revealing who he was to her. I mean, this is astounding. Jesus not only presents himself and gives the right to worship to people of high standing, but he gives the right to everyone. And we see that whenever he revealed who he was to this Samaritan woman. You see, the revelation of God is for everyone. It's for you. It's for me. It's for your family. It's for your friends, for your coworkers, for the people you dislike. Yes, the people you dislike, they have the right to worship too. You see, God came and revealed himself to the world. And this is so significant because if you go back, actually, if you go back a chapter, go back to chapter three, you will see that Jesus is talking and he's teaching a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This was a man of high standing. He had position. And Jesus explains to him what it takes to be saved. And Nicodemus recognizes who Jesus is. And he says, Rabbi, and Nicodemus is talking to Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. 
So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he's fearful of how the other leaders may respond. But the point is, Jesus allows both Nicodemus, a man of high standing in the Jewish community, and the Samaritan woman, according to the culture of the day, was nowhere near the same standing. Okay? Jesus allows both of them to see who he was. Do you understand that? I mean, it doesn't matter to Jesus. What mattered to Jesus was the love that the God the Father had for both of those people and for everyone. The revelation of God is not for one person group or another. It's for everyone. The right to worship is not just for one group. It's for everybody. No matter what you've been told in your past, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter what people say about you, God wants to bring you in and he's giving you permission to worship his holy name. Don't be afraid to worship. God loves you and he wants you to participate in worship. He wants you to worship and to sing praises. Don't be afraid to do it. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. Jesus allows you to worship and he reveals himself to you. And so now that we understand this, that this revelation is for everyone, that Jesus is here to allow everyone to worship, let's examine what Jesus does in this story, okay? Among the obvious points in this story, here are a few that I want to point out. Number one is his relevance. When he revealed himself to, uh, to this woman, we see that this whole conversation is couched in terms which the woman could understand. You see, Jesus left his heavenly realm. Jesus is beyond us in every way imaginable. But he left his heavenly realm to come to us. He came to our level. And there are times, and we're so guilty of this, there are times when we think that we have to go over the top or to be more eloquent or to be extreme during our worship. But the reality is, Jesus revealed himself in our understanding. And if you read the, if you read the gospels, you'll see that Jesus taught in parables. He spoke in terms that we could understand. Therefore, when we worship, we don't have to try to be something that we're not. He just wants us. He, he, he loves us for who we are. Therefore, when we worship, we present ourselves to God. We don't have to try to impress him. He loves us no matter what. We need to allow our worship to flow from our hearts, not a production or a show. And Jesus actually talks about this, the, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Now, now this could actually be a sermon series in, a, in and of itself um, if you look at Luke 18, but this story is so significant. The story talks about two men who went up to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. Can you imagine praying like that? Lord, thank you that I'm not like these other people. But then he continues on, he says, thank you that I'm not like the robbers or the evildoers or the adulterers or even this tax collector. He says, I fast twice a week and give tenth of all I get. But then he continues talking and Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven and he, he beat his breast, it says. And, he, and, the, and the tax collector said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man talking about the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, Jesus doesn't want a production. Jesus doesn't want a show. He wants you and he wants your heart. Jesus wants us to come as we are and allow him to make the changes. 
Secondly, in this story, we see that Jesus reveals his humanity. John Stott said, at no point is Jesus odd. The conversation appears to flow easily despite the major social taboos which Jesus is breaking here and the profoundly uh, desperate lifestyle of the participants. Jesus is clearly at ease with her, which frees her to confront her deepest needs. You see, Jesus wants us to come freely, to worship him freely, to pray to him freely, to share with him in our deepest needs and our concerns. And what's amazing about this, and and, and please note this, is that he understands. Jesus was human. He laughed, he cried, he shouted, he felt pain, he felt grief. Jesus understands right where we're at because he was human. And that's so significant in this story to see that, that she was able to relate to Jesus and Jesus was able to relate to her and so she felt comfortable coming to him. We should feel comfortable in our worship coming to Jesus because he understands right where we're at. Thirdly, Jesus reveals his compassion and sensitivity. You see, though the entire conversation, Jesus deals with her as a person of her own right. It's amazing to see that. You see, through this entire conversation, he treats her and her unique history and her special longings with dignity and respect. She emerges in the account as a credible character with personal dignity because Jesus treats her as such. Simply put, Jesus loved her and was prepared to breach the the age-old conventions to reach her. Jesus had compassion on her and sensitivity. He loved her no matter what. And that is so amazing to see in this story that Jesus revealed his compassion and sensitivity. And lastly, Jesus reveals his deity. Jesus was and is God. Even when he was here on earth, we have to understand that Jesus was God. It's so amazing. If you go back to the, to the passage of Scripture we just read, go to verse 25. It says, The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Oh, church, that's amazing. He revealed to us that he was God and he is worthy of our praises. And so like I said, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to continue to dissect this passage of Scripture and, and what Jesus says about worship and how we should be worshiping. But I truly believe that it is so important for us to understand that worship begins with the revelation of God. One writer said this, he said, True and satisfactory worship is worship offered in and through Jesus Christ. Only through the truth that he embodies and the spirit that he imparts can we know God and worship him. And so when we worship, who are we worshiping? Well, let me put it this way. Everyone has the right to freely worship our God who loves, understands, is compassionate, is sensitive, and at the same time is almighty and powerful. A God who has left his heavenly realm to come and walk among us. He conquered death and is now reigning in heaven, but his spirit is still with us. A God who cares. A God that does not look at our past and condemn us, but instead he offers us the gift of grace and mercy. That is the God that we worship.